We are in a series called Rediscovering God's Word. So I want to share some scripture and some quotes with you that we've been looking at. 2 Timothy 3, all scripture is God-breathed and is useful. That's why we need to rediscover the Word of God. It's useful. This text message from God is useful. We might not think it's useful. We might think it's out of date. But scripture tells us it is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, training in righteousness so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. I love these quotes. This is by John R.W. Stott. When we devote ourselves to God's Word, His voice becomes clearer. Love that quote. The primary purpose of reading the Bible is not to know the Bible, but to know God. We're going to talk about that a little bit today. Psalm 111, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. All who follow His commandments have a good understanding. So you can have a good understanding. You might say this is confusing, but you can have a good understanding. His praise endures forever. The Bible is really 66 books written over 1,500 years, 40 different authors that tell the same story. That's pretty amazing. Authors that didn't know each other, from Moses to Paul, they didn't know each other, and yet it's the same story. So here's what we looked at the first week, rediscovering the Bible, the need to read. You need to read this text message from God. Last week we talked about keep it simple. Today I want to talk about how to be blessed by the Bible. And so we have said that in America, you know, there are Bibles everywhere. There are, there's no shortage of Bibles. They're in motels, they're at bookstores, they're at the grocery store. You can get a Bible on your phone. Isn't that amazing? You can get this entire thing on your phone. So there's no reason not to have a Bible somewhere with you at all times. And so we've been saying, what if you got a text message from God? And you have this text is a message from God, and He's trying to get our attention. And so we've been talking about rediscovering the Bible, and we need to read the Bible. The B-I-B-L-E, that's the book for me. I stand alone on the Word of God, the B-I-B-L-E. You know, you can get a Bible in any size. You, you can get small, you can get large, you can get a Bible in any translation, and there are tons and tons and tons of translations, and you see me quote from different translations it is still the best-selling book of all time. It's still available just about anywhere. You can have access to it at any time, again, especially on your phone. And yet millions and millions and millions of people and even Christians are missing out on the blessing of the Bible. Think about that. The Bible is a book that blesses. And there are many Americans and Christians that are missing out on the blessing. So today, how to be blessed by the Bible. And we're going to be in one text. Um, I'm reading a book right now. I love books that say, here's how to read the book. You open it up and it says in the introduction or the preface or chapter one, here's how you should read this book. I like it when you buy a book and it says, Here, here's how you should read this book. The Bible tells us how to read the book. And that's what we're going to look at today. We find that in James 1. The man who looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues to do this, not forgetting what he has heard, but doing it, he will be blessed in what he does. How to be blessed by the Bible. The Bible gives freedom and the Bible gives blessings. So today, every point that I'm going to make is coming straight out of the text. It's an easy text to preach and it makes sense. So let's jump right in. We're going to fill this, fill this slide in as we go. So the first thing we need to do is accept the Word of God. We need to accept the Word of God. Let's read in James 1. 
All of this is going to be in James 1. My dear brothers, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. For man's anger does not bring about the righteous life that God desires. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent, and humbly accept the word planted in you. So when we're reading the Bible, we need to accept the Bible. That word means to receive, to welcome in, to acquire, to take hold of. I like this one, one translation, to grant access. Just because I'm reading doesn't mean I have allowed God, I have not granted access to my heart. I like that. So in Ephesians 6, when we read about the armor of God, be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. Take the helmet of salvation. Same word. You need to grant access. You need to welcome it in. You need to accept it. You need to take hold of. If you want to be blessed by the Bible, you've got to grant access to God in your heart. You've got to accept it and welcome it. James says it this way. Accept the word that's planted in you. So you know it's not a new thought in the Bible, for the Bible, for the writers of the Bible to talk about the word of God being a seed. You remember the parable of the sower. A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering, some fell along the path. Some fell on rocky places. Some fell among the thorns. And still other seed fell on good soil. So Jesus told that parable. James is using a metaphor here. And he's comparing the Word of God to a seed. And we need to let that seed be planted and take root in us. That's what it means to accept. It's kind of interesting, don't you think? He illustrates here. You can sow the same seed in different places and get different results. You can sow the same seed, and it can be on two different hearts. Same seed, different locations. One is blessed. One seed produces nothing. You can take two people and give them the same seed, the same message, and one is blessed, and one says, didn't get anything out of that. Why is that? Because one is ready and open to receive, accept the Word of God, and one is not. So, here's what is cool about this text. He tells us how to accept the Word of God. That's what I like about these verses in here. This text just flows. So, my dear brothers, take note of this. You get down here, he says, humbly accept the Word that is planted in you. We need to humbly accept the Word of God. Humble suggests a willingness to change. Humble suggests we don't know it all. It's difficult to accept. It's difficult to hear when we think we know it all. He goes on. He says we need to be quick to listen and slow to speak. Give the Word of God your attention. Give the Word of God your undivided attention. I'm sure you've heard before God gave us two ears and one mouth so we would listen twice as much. A lot of our communication with God is we're talking too much when we need to be listening. We need to be quick to listen. I love the song lyrics. And in the silence I can hear a voice that calls to me. Sometimes it comes in loud and clear, and sometimes I'm just not listening. And that describes us as Christians many times. We're just not listening. He goes on. He says, you need to be slow to become angry because that affects how we accept the Word of God. When you're angry and you're tense and you're upset and you're wound up and you're bitter, it's difficult to listen to another person, to the Word of God. 
There are studies that suggest that listening to music lowers your blood pressure. There are studies that suggest that listening, just listening, reduces your stress level. So you know this, when you're angry and bent out of shape, it's difficult to accept. When you come to worship angry, it's difficult to listen. When you fight with your spouse and your family and you're angry when you walk in the door, it's difficult to worship on those days. That's just hypothetical, not saying that one ever happens. And then he says, get rid of all moral filth. So back to the parable of the sower. If you've got a garden, if you've got a flower bed, you know you need to do some weeding because what you want to grow is not going to grow if, unless you remove the seeds. So to accept the Word of God, you need to prepare the soil of your heart. Get rid of the filth. Get rid of the pollution. Get rid of the, the, of, of the garbage. Get rid of the junk. We can't hear the Word of God when there are so many weeds in our life. So here's what he says. Here's our first point. We need to accept the Word of God. How do I do that? I do that humbly. I do that by being quick to listen and slow to speak. I do that slow to become angry. And I'm going to get rid of all the moral filth. Number two, how, do I, how am I going to be blessed by the Bible? He says I need to reflect the Word of God. Reflect the Word of God. Here's how he illustrates Anyone who listens to the Word but does not do what it says is like a man who looks at his face in a mirror and, at, and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. It's a great illustration. He says the Word of God is like a mirror. What's the purpose of a mirror? You know what the purpose of a mirror is. We get up in the morning and we look at a mirror. We get up in the morning we look at a mirror to assess the damage. We get up in the morning and we look at a mirror to get ready. We look at a mirror when we back up in a car. We look at a mirror. We're looking at mirrors all the time. We've got pocket mirrors. We've got mirrors everywhere. What's the purpose of a mirror? It reflects. It shows me so that I can evaluate. When I look in a mirror, I assess and I evaluate, and I'm going to make some changes. Does my hair look okay? Do my clothes look okay? Do I have something in my teeth? I'm going to assess and evaluate, and then I'm going to do something about it. That's the purpose of a mirror. What good is a mirror if you're not going to do anything about it? And yet you and I both know, human nature, it's almost difficult to walk by a mirror and not look. We love looking in the mirror. We love looking at ourselves. And James says that a mirror simply reflects what's on the inside. And when we're in the Word of God, this mirror is going to tell us what's on the inside of our hearts. God's Word simply reflects what it is on the inside. So look what Scripture says. Paul writes to Timothy and says, Reflect on what I'm saying, for the Lord will give you insight into all this. 2 Corinthians 3, And we who with unveiled faces all reflect the Lord's glory are being transformed into His likeness with ever-increasing glory. As we live each day, people ought to see more and more of Jesus, because we're going to reflect Jesus and less of us. Here's what the Word of God does. It's living, it's active, it's sharp. It penetrates, it judges, nothing in all creation is hidden from God's side. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of Him to whom we must give account. You know why sometimes we don't like reading the Bible? You know why sometimes many people don't like reading the Bible? Because when you read the Bible, you see you for who you are. Now, I don't want to do that. I don't like what I see. I don't like the way the Bible exposes who I really am. I don't like the way the Bible exposes my sinful self, so I'm just not going to read. So a lot of people don't want to look in the mirror because they don't like what they see. Again, here's the cool part. James is going to tell us how we need to reflect. The man who looks 
intently into the perfect law that gives freedom. That word means to stoop, to stoop down to get a better look, to take an attentive look. So in Luke 24, Peter, when he got up and he ran to the tomb, and Scripture says he bent over and he stooped down and he saw the strips of linen. He didn't just walk by. It wasn't a passing glance like we do in the mirror sometimes. We just take a quick look. He stooped down. He looked in. He investigated because he needed to take a look. It is intensity. It is investigation. It is focusing your attention. That's how you reflect. He says, and continues to do so. Continues to do so. The man who looks intently into the perfect law and continues to do so, makes a habit of, dwells on. So we read in Joshua 1, Do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. During the day, at night, you're going to continue to do so. It's not once a week. It's not once a month. It's not occasionally. It is continue to do so. And then he says, not forgetting what he has heard. Not forgetting what he has heard. Interesting. The psalmist says, I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. I've hidden your word in my heart so I won't forget. I've hidden your word in my heart so that I know what it is and how I'm supposed to be living. I like what Deuteronomy says. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and strength. These commandments I give you today are to be upon your hearts. So impress them on your children and you talk about them when you sit, when you walk, when you lie down, when you get up. You tie them as symbols. You bind them. You write them. Why? So you don't forget. I mean, this is an all day long. This is a 24-7. This isn't a passing glance. This isn't just an occasional read. We've got to continue to do so so that we do not forget. The Hebrew writer says we must pay more careful attention, therefore, to what we've heard so that we do not drift away. Why? So that we don't forget. Research says that within one hour, people will forget 50% of the information that you present. Within 24 hours, people will forget 70% of the information you present. Within a week, people will forget 90% of the information. You know what that means? I could preach the same lesson next week and some of y'all wouldn't even remember. So James says, don't forget. Don't forget. Here's our review. How do you reflect? Well, you need to look intently. It's just in a passing glance. We need to look intently. We need to continue to do this. Not forgetting what we have heard. And then he says we need to respond to the Word of God. Respond to the Word of God. Here's how he illustrates it. The man who looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues to do this, not forgetting what he's heard, but doing it, he will be blessed in what he does. Do what it says. Practice it. Execute it. Use it. Again, what good is a mirror if you're going to see a reflection and not do anything about it? It's kind of interesting. He uses the same word in verse 22 and 23 and 25. And in your translation, it probably shows up, looks like a verb, and it's really a noun. Let me illustrate. He says, do not merely listen. The actual Greek text says, be doers and not hearers only. It's a noun. Anyone who listens and does not do what it says. Again, if anyone is a hearer and not a doer, forgetting what he has heard is not a hearer of forgetfulness. Interesting. James says if you want to be blessed by the Bible, we can't just be hearers. We've got to be doers. 
We've used this illustration. The Bible was not given for our information, but for our transformation. That's the doer part. That's the executing part. That's the application part. Just because you hear something doesn't mean you're listening. I still remember my grandpa. I'm sitting by my grandpa, and my grandma's doing this, just letting him have it. And I'm like, Grandma, Grandpa, do you hear Grandma? He said, I hear. But he wasn't listening. You can hear and not be listening. You can be listening and not be doing. There's a lot of people that just want to audit church. If you've ever audited a class at a local community college or university, usually when you audit a class, you're not interested in tests. You're not interested in taking notes. You're not interested in doing anything, just showing up and listening. There's nothing wrong with that if you want to do that for a class at a university, but a lot of people want to show up at church and just listen. Don't really want to take notes. Don't really want to pay attention. Just want to go through the motions. I just want to show up and listen with no intention of ever changing. And James says, we're, we're called to be doers, not just hearers. We're called to be doers. There's got to be some change. Hearers, listen. Doers, change. Gaining content doesn't make you spiritually mature. It gives you more content. It gives you more knowledge. And Paul says, knowledge puffs up. Other translations, we should remember that while knowledge may make a man look big, Amplified Bible. Knowledge alone makes people self-righteously arrogant. James says the test of spiritual maturity is not more knowledge. I would venture to say that everybody in here today has enough Scripture knowledge. Where we fall short is we're not doers. We need to apply what it is we know. We don't need to know more stuff. We're like a sponge. A sponge only soaks up so much water, and then you got to squeeze it. And we can't just keep coming and soaking up without application. Let me illustrate. I love this illustration. Let's say that you buy me a gift. And the gift is, Richie, we bought you this bodybuilding book because we think you need it. It's really hypothetical, but just stay with me. And you say, this book will change your life. This book will bless your life. You need to read this book and you'll be blessed. And we want you just to go away and read it. And I say, great, thanks. And I go away for a year and I come back and I look the same. You would probably say, Richie, what happened? Didn't you read this book? What if I said, oh, yeah, I read it. Man, I I read it. I enjoyed it. I loved it. I marked in it. I read in it every night. I underlined in it. I even started started a bodybuilding small group. Again, you would say, but we see no change. Just like a lot of Christians. You mark in it, you underline in it, you go to classes about it, you show up every week, and you're still spiritually immature. Why? Because we're called to be doers. Called to be doers. If we're not going to respond to the Word of God, I like this quote, we need to mark our Bibles. i got nothing against you marking your Bible. I mentioned a week or so ago, It's a long time before people convince me it's okay to underline or highlight in your Bible. You need to mark your Bibles, but you need to let your Bibles mark you. That's more important. It's not about how many times you've read through the Bible. It's how much of the Bible's been through you. We need to be doers. There's a lot more than just hearing. You've got to live it. Jesus illustrates this so plainly. He says... Everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice. 
You know this. We sang this. We did this at VBS. It's like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, streams rose, winds blew, beat against the house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock because put them into practice. Jesus goes on. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice. It's like a foolish man who built his house on sand. Rain came, streams rose, wind blew, beat that house, and it fell with a great crash. The wise man hears and is a doer. The foolish man is a hearer only. Again, I'd venture to say that every single person here today knows more spiritual truth than we're putting into practice. The problem is we don't put into practice. So again, James illustrates. How do I know if I'm responding to the Word of God? Keeps a tight rein on his tongue. He says in verse 26, If anyone considers himself religious and yet does not keep a tight rein on his tongue, he deceives himself and his religion's worthless. Doers have control over their mouths. Just a whole nother sermon. James 1.27, Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress. So, doers are those who help the helpless. The third one, Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, Keep oneself from being polluted by the world. So doers make an intentional effort to live in obedience to the Word of God. He even goes on to say, Show me your faith without doing anything, and I'll show you my faith by what I do. I've known a lot of people that have read through the Bible, and they'll tell you how many times they've read through the Bible. And it just doesn't look like the Bible's marking them very well. How to be blessed by the Bible. Again, Accept it, reflect it, respond to it. How to be blessed by the Bible. Let's close with a prayer.